Hello everyone, it's your real estate guys, Matt Reitzel. And Curtis Reitzel with the Wealth Building with the Purpose show. The place where we talk about everything real estate. With a special focus on wealth building. Let's ride. Hey, how's everybody doing? It's Curtis Reitzel with the Wealth Building with the Purpose show. How are things going to everybody out there in podcast land. Today, we're going to be talking about the net worth model straight out of Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Investor book. This one's going to be a lot of fun. This is probably uh, my favorite chapter in the whole book because um, I just love the way money works. I've been fascinated about it for so long. Uh, and this is definitely, you know, up there in my favorites in regards to uh, passages in this book. So let's just jump right in. So as we progress through the book, we've talked about the buy a million. We talked about the processes of thinking a million. And now we're talking about, uh, you know, the nitty gritty of things. And the first model in the buy a million part of the Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller is the net worth model. So it's a three part model for identifying the best investment vehicles for your goals budgeting your money in order to have more to invest and tracking your assets and liability to measure and progress uh, your net worth towards your financial goals. So really the, the, the part and the most important part of the net worth model is to, there's really three parts to it. It's a three part process is the first part is to learn the path of money. The second part is manage your personal net worth. And the third part is track your personal net worth. So I think it's important to have a path for your money. Now, what I mean by that is once a paycheck, a uh, commission, uh, the end of the month rolls around, you balance out the money in your business and you have uh, you know, money left over to invest or you, know, you have money left over to then you know, start, you know, the, the funnel of, you know, putting money aside to invest, you know, putting money for your taxes, uh, you know, your living expenses, charity, all the stuff. Um, learning the path of money is really important because at the end of the day, it's, I'm going to be talking about the graph, which is on page 129 of Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Investor. And it's called the path of money. And there's really two kinds of capital. It's human capital and capital assets. So human capital is you work for money, right? You go to a job, you put in your time, you get a paycheck, you're working for money. And capital assets is your money works for you. And what we're looking to do is transfer our human capital to cash flow and then buy assets that then will produce cash flow that then have our money work for us, right? But let's go through this graph and get to the nitty gritty of things. So you like, let's just imagine all you have is your human capital right now. You don't have any assets, which you're at the beginning, you're starting off, which is fine. You have your job, your business, whatever the case may be. So you work for money. Let's just understand and identify that that's where you're at in life. Nothing wrong with it. It's just identifying where you're at. It's like Jim Rohn always says in all the all the audios that I listened to of, of him talking is identify where you're at and affirm the truth, right? Don't affirm, in my opinion, don't affirm 
all this wonderful stuff when your life is in shambles. Like, obviously, you want to have a positive vision for the future, for sure. But identifying where you're at is so important because, I mean, I see it all the time. I've done it with myself, to be completely honest, where I'm I'm giving myself a false hope of where I'm at in life when I'm not actually looking at it and being very, like, I don't want to be overcritical of myself, but I definitely, you need to analyze where you're at, good or bad, right or wrong, whether you're happy with where you're at in life or you're not happy, identifying where you're at, because then you can actually move forward from that place. If you can't identify where you're at, it's very tough to move forward, right? So to get back to the point here, you have your human capital, which then produces cash flow, whether that's a paycheck um, or dividends in the business, whatever the case may be. Um, so you have a cash flow. Then you have four choices and what to do with that cash flow. You can spend it, which is what the majority of the population does is they get a paycheck and they look at it as an opportunity to spend. So buy a new watch, buy some new clothing, you know, go buy a new car, all this stuff, which arguably speaking, you have to wear clothes. <laughs> and a lot of the times you do need a car, depending on your situation, you're probably gonna need a car. So there's there's basic necessities in life that you're gonna have to buy. You're gonna have to spend money on stuff, for sure. But what consumers do is look at it as a way to how can I spend it all? And even professional athletes, a lot of the case, that's what they do. They get a big house, they get big cars, they get a bunch of big cars. They, they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on vehicles, if not millions of dollars. Their houses, you know, a couple million dollars, if not 10 million. They're spending, you know, 100,000 to 200,000 a year in taxes. Like, it's just stupid. So they're looking for a way to spend money. Um, the next, the next, choice that you have for your cash flow is to donate it. So give it away to charities, give it away to your church, give it away to an orphanage, give it away to the homeless, uh, setting up, um, you know, a charity, which in our company, we talk about that a lot, you know, having our own company set up so that when we go out and we donate money, instead of you donating money to Red Cross, or you donating money to a separate charity, um, you set up your own charity. So say like rights of brothers, uh, you know, charities or rights of brothers, you know, philanthropy, whatever the case may be. So then when we donate and when we now we go and we do our, you know, our philanthropy, now we're doing it and actually getting credit for it. Right. So instead of just me and, and, and now this isn't all the time, right? Like sometimes you're going to be, you know, helping out a friend or you're going to be helping out somebody in another, you know, like let's say you go to, you know, on a humanitarian aid trip and you want to help somebody get a surgery because, you know, they can't get it in that third world country. Well, a lot of the times you might just write a $5,000 check and just move on with life and you're not, and you don't want to take, that you don't want people to know that you did it. But a lot of the times we're doing all this amazing good work, right? Like out in the community um, and we're not taking we're not actually allowing ourselves to get credit for it. And it's not to say you just want to humble brag all the time. But at the end of the day, you want people to know the good works you're doing, because that's now then going to grow your business to then have more income to then give more away to then, you know, be more recognized for the good works. And it's just a it's an awesome foundation. And it's an awesome cycle to get into. Right. So anyways, you can you can either spend it or you can donate it. Um, the third choice is you hold it. So 
you make that $10,000 after everything's said and done and you put it that in the bank account and you just hold it. And that's like, that's a way of doing it is you just stockpile a bunch of, a bunch of, uh, a bunch of Benjamins in the bank account and you just hold on to it over time. And there's nothing wrong with that. My, my thought process is, well, I'll say the next choice here. The fourth choice that you have is to invest that money. So I think it's important to hold money and have reserves and have money available so that if something pops up in the business or something pops up at the, you know, at the rental properties, you're able to have access to money. Now, some people will debate me and say, you know, I don't need access to actual, you know, money. I need access to a line of credit. So let's, in, so let's say a tenant moves out of your townhouse and you need to spend, you know, five grand just to spruce it up because you haven't touched it in five or, you know, five or seven, eight years and you need to spruce her up, put in a new countertop and some new flooring and paint the place, whatever. You just need to put some money into it. A lot of people would argue that they don't actually need that money set aside. They just need money to a line of credit to pay for that work to then just pay off that line of credit. However, you want to look at it, because let's say you have a hundred thousand dollar mortgage, right? You have a hundred thousand dollar mortgage on your primary residence and you have a hundred thousand dollars in the bank account, right? So it's kind of the same effect that if you just, you kept that hundred thousand dollars in your bank account and then use that to pay for stuff as it pops up or use it as kind of an emergency fund. A lot of people would argue that if you just took that hundred thousand dollars paid off your mortgage, now you're not paying any interest and you're not paying the, your mortgage anymore. You take the $100,000, you put it into your primary, and then you set up a secured line of credit against that equity. I think that's an awesome, an awesome way to do it as well. So there's no right or wrong strategy here. It's just my, my own philosophy in working with clients is that we hold money, we build it up to a big enough nest egg, and then we, we take action. We deploy that money into a piece of real estate. We, we lock that money in, we secure the bag, and then we, we move on, we save up um, the next down payment, and we do the process again, right? Um, and then at the same time, as time goes on, you can refinance money, pull money out, whether you're doing the Burr strategy, depending on, depending on your goals, right? So it really depends on your goals and all that, but that's just one strategy. So the four choices is spend it, donate it, you hold it, or you invest it. And then if you choose, which I hope that you do, you put money aside from your paycheck to invest first and foremost, um, you really have two choices when you invest it is you can lend the money or you can own the money. And then within lend and own, you have two basic positions. One is passive and one is active. So I'm going to go through the passive, the passive side of the chart real quick is you can do money markets, CDs, bonds, T-bills, stocks, REITs, mutual funds. Uh, really, at the end of the day, passive is they control it. So you're putting your money in. They control uh, your overall investment. And meaning they, the, you know, the people that control the stocks, you know, your stockbroker, uh, REITs, uh, the mutual fund manager, they control your investment. So you don't control anything. Now, by having somebody else in the picture, having, I guess, in a way, a middleman in the picture is now that's going to decrease your returns because now they're going to be charging fees. They need to get paid to manage your money, which is completely fair. Um, a lot of the times how much they're charging isn't fair, but that's another topic. People need to get paid what they're worth. 
So that's thus going to drop your returns, right? So when people, a lot of people don't understand this part of it, which I think is just so important that there's not just one way to invest. There's the passive way, which is very hands-off. Um, and I would argue is the most hands-off way to do it, but you're going to get lower returns. And then on the other side, you have active. And within active, you have lend and you have own. So within active, you can lend, you can do owner financing. So you have a property paid off and then you sell it to an investor and then they pay you over time. You hold that money for them. Um, or you can do private lending. So you have you have some money and somebody's looking to, uh, you know, maybe they don't, maybe they're looking to buy a property that's in distress, they can't get traditional financing, and then they're going to do some work and they refinance it on the back end. Well, you can be that private lender to fund everything and charge a really good rate because they can't get regular financing. It's temporary. Um, this is a whole nother conversation, but private lending is a massive way to do it. Um, but then on the active investing part, under own is businesses in real estate. That's at the end of the day where you're going to make your highest returns on your investment is through businesses and through owning real estate. That's where it's at. And when you look at all the financially wealthy individuals on Forbes, uh, you know, when you read success stories of, you know, people achieving the American and or the Canadian dream since I'm in Canada, um, they've done it through owning businesses. They've done it through starting a business, getting the business profitable, owning that business for the long term, having cash flow. Uh, the value goes up. Their net worth goes up. They park money in real estate. That real estate goes up in value. It gets paid down by tenants. They have cash flow. They're building massive wealth by owning businesses and owning real estate. Now, the, the tricky part here is it, it is more active but if you do it right in building your business, you really should be able to have somebody else run the business for you, right? So you should be able to hire a CEO, hire a CMO, hire a CFO, hire people in the company to then take pretty much the majority of all the work off your hands, right? So that's an important concept to think about is just because it's very active, and you have to own the business, but you get to own the business or you get to own the real estate, you can hire people to run your business for you over time and you only do the parts that you enjoy. And then also with your real estate investments, you can hire a property management company to look after everything. And then as you scale up, you can build your own property management company to just look after your properties because you have that scale. So a lot of the times it's, yeah, you have, you're actively owning the business or the real estate, but you're not actually dealing with the active day-to-day -day of that business or that real estate, right? So trust you got something, uh, something, you know, whether it's a little nugget of this episode, I just went through the path of money. It's on page 129 in the Millionaire Real Estate Investor by Gary Keller. Uh, I trust you enjoyed this this episode today. Let me know if you have any questions. Our contact information is in the details on the podcast. So if you have any questions uh, for us, please feel free to reach out. Have yourself a great day.